This is episode number 49 with someone who is one of today's leading leadership and marketing strategists and is also a longtime good friend, mentor, and colleague of ours here at Achieve360. Dr. Jeff McGee works with C-suite, business leaders, military generals, and the top CEOs across America. We first met Dr. Jeff McGee back in 2009 when we partnered with his professional performance magazine and we created the Teen Performance Magazine. Which... And I got mine here too. Woo-hoo! You are a rock star. Love you. Of course. They're always handy. So Jeff is the author of more than 20 books, three college graduate management texts, four bestsellers, and the publisher of the magazine we just showed, former co-host of the National Business Entrepreneur Program on Catalyst Business Radio, and is a human capital developer for more than 20 years. Welcome, Dr. Jeff. It's so incredible to see you. Sorry it's been so long. You literally popped into my head this morning. This is fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is the fastest interview I've ever prepared for. I asked you, you said yes, and bam, here we are. Thank you so much. You are welcome. You don't waste a second of your time, do you? No, I mean, it, 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 and that's one of the things I've learned from studying and having the honor of being around incredibly successful people globally, what they do is, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to get biblical on you, but we have no proof tomorrow's going to arrive. This is all the time that we've been given as our present of life and how do you maximize every second. So when you, uh, when you sent the, the message asking what you, you know about today and what you're trying to accomplish, what you do, and obviously we've been connected for the viewers right now. You know, we, we've talked a lot in terms of via email and texting and phone calls over the years, but in terms of actually being face-to-face in the same space, it's been a long time. But again, one thing I've learned is, is that you maximize time. So we just finished a, a webinar with one of my clients right before you and I clicked into here, and, and I have a, uh, an interview and a podcast and a webinar scheduled for the rest of today as soon as we're done. So zap and you maximize every, every opportunity. You're awesome, Dr. Jeff. Well, I was thinking of you this morning when I was hiking, and I was just wondering what other high performers like you are doing to stay focused during these difficult times. Can you share maybe how some of your experiences working with Army National Guard and military generals have perhaps prepared you for this time and what you're doing differently? Great question. There are so many ways anyone could answer that question, so let me just go top of mind. And that's the first teaching point for this, uh, this little visit today for your viewers. When you're put in a situation and you have to respond, which is logic-based, or you're going to react, which is emotion-based, you're going to do either of those two from what's top of mind. What's in your frontal lobe is going to lead you. And then your ability to quickly recognize and recalibrate in nanosecond timing. If you start to realize I'm doing this and it's going to take me the wrong trajectory, what do I need to do to get on the right trajectory? Or if you are on the right trajectory, how do you double down and do more of that? So uh, I think one of the elements that I'm finding right now, I've already been in conversations with, with several uh, uh, National Guard adjutant generals. Those are the, the highest level military person in each one of our 54 states and territories that, that's responsible for the National Guard, Army, and Air side in that state for the governor, for the citizens of that state. So this morning, I've already had two conversations with uh, two different adjutant generals that I'm connecting with and talking to. And it's the same thing. It's top of mind. What are we doing first? So I, I think to double down a little bit deeper on that is think of everything we do along five elements, because this is what I teach, this is what I advocate, and this is what I have to remind myself and others, and especially as we're recording this, so in case someone's watching this live now, perfect context, if you're coming back and you're listening to Andrew and I at a future tense, the context here is this global pandemic we're dealing with. So I think there, there's five key elements, and then, I'll, then I'll, expl- I'll talk about those five as much as you like. So. To be successful as an individual or a business, number one is strategy. You have to have a strategy. Strategy could be lots of subnotes. Strategy could be game plan. So today as a parent, today as an employee, today as an employer, today as a member of my community, strategically, what's my game plan for today? Um, you walk into a grocery store to buy groceries and you have a list in your hand or electronically in your phone or something. That is an example of strategy because it gives you a game plan. Uh, my sister over-strategizes. She puts her grocery list together because she knows how each aisle in her grocery store in her small town is set up. So she even writes out her grocery list in the order of those rows. So I always joke, you know, if someone, you know, moved one of those aisles, you're going to be completely blown up and have no clue what to do next. <laughs> so what's your strategy? 
So strategy one goes to number two, because once you have a strategy, a game plan, then that goes to number two, the word is operations or operationally. So operationally, how do you tap into all, all of the things around you to do what you're going to do? So do you have a computer system, a database, Excel spreadsheets, you use Outlook as a calendar system, you have a to-do list, you know, you use a whiteboard on your, on your wall in your office, your refrigerator. Um, those of you that are watching Andrea and I right now behind her and her background, she has in essence a, a diagram of the United States. It looks like it in essence is laminated to some element. So she could take the little colored, you know, tack pins and push them into different states or even communities that she wants to, you know, target to go after. So strategically, if she's trying to go after the United States, then operationally, she'd have a map behind her. That's an example of a system. So what are those systems we have? Third, once you have strategy, strategic, game plan, mission statement, business plan, sales plan, those are all strategies, then you look at operationally, what are the tools and resources I have or need to get to be able to execute that strategy, which goes to number three, the third word to write down, then again, I'm recapping strategies one, ops is two, third. Third word then is going to be in essence, what are the behaviors? What are the tactics that you have to do to execute that strategy? And therefore the systems will help you to tactically do your job better or the systems will hold you accountable to do the right things. I got to do this first, second, third, and fourth. So those elements. This morning, Andrea went out for her normal hike. So again, did you, as a viewer, did you do anything athletic today? So if not, Andrea's already got you beat. But when you went out for your hike, you in essence had an idea of where you wanted to go, that strategy. So then what equipment do I need from just tennis shoes or boots or shorts or pants, whatever? That was kind of a two. And then where am I going to go first? That's back to one. So then you freaking open up the door and away you went. Now you're at a number three. You're the behaviors, the tactics. You've learned how to you know, position your body if you're going up a hill or up you know, rocks, etc. So those are the first three. I mean, any good book on management teaches you that. I mean, one of my I graduate textbooks, I talk about those first three in that book. The difference is what I've learned from working in business and owning businesses and having successful businesses and failed businesses and being around people like you and your husband and being around other micro business people and medium-sized and large corporations is that there's five words and it's the next two that academics never talk about because most academics have never had a real job. They've never signed the front of a paycheck. So you can have all the theories you want, but at the end of the day, number four and five are critically important. So number four is execution. Someone eventually has to shut up and go do the work. And so part of Andrew's question of what, what, what are you doing or what do you see people doing right now in, these, in this pandemic time? So I'll get to that, but these five you have to have is the backdrop. So execution, what do you do? You know, Margaret Thatcher had a classic line. I'm going to edit it a little bit because I don't remember the exact wording, but it basically says the problem with socialism is that eventually you will run out of everyone else's money. See, again, one, two, three, the first three words I gave you are all great, but at the end of the day, execution, someone has to be able to put up or shut up or do the work. And so five, five then is accountability. You have to have layers of accountability. So when, Andrew, you asked the question, what am I doing now and what are others doing? Your question, so for the viewers, her question was a question that goes to number four and five in my sequence, which you can't do number four and five effectively if you don't know the first three, which is why I just gave those to you. Because of how you engage and operate right now in a pandemic that's going to be what you do execution-wise, and then how do you know if you're being successful? That's accountability. How do you hold yourself accountable to do those things? There's layers of accountability we talk about and teach in our leadership programs and sales programs and et cetera. So with that five, now back to the question. The first thing I'm encouraging everyone to do is to don't freak out. Number four, execution. Don't just go do something. That's four, execution. Stop, back up, and ask yourself, number one, even with this pandemic, has number one for you changed? Because for most people watching us right now, it has not changed. And that's what you're forgetting. You're running to go do something you should not go do right now. So for example, right before you, I was on a webinar call with the uh, president of the National Speakers Association. That's a trade association for experts who speak for a living. Then in essence, they're subject matter experts on whatever their topic or specialty or life experience is, whatever credentials they may or may not have, but they're going out on convention platforms and speaking in front of dozens, hundreds, and thousands of people, or they're doing in essence training programs in front of a dozen people or hundreds or thousands of people. And so we were talking about that, that again, if you're 50 ish or older, what's happening right now with this pandemic is nothing different at the end of the day. It is nothing different than what happened after 9-11. And most people don't remember 20 ish years ago, basically. And 9-11, people that, are, that, that were working were all mentally freaked out as to what was happening because we thought we were under attack. So we were running away from having clarity of one, two, three, because we're asking number four, what should I be doing? Execute. And then businesses change. 
people that normally would be going to meetings. And again, Andrea used to be part of one of the largest educational uh, groups in the United States called Pearson Education. They have published four of my graduate textbooks. So all these meetings and conventions stopped after 9-11. I'm living in Las Vegas. I'm right here on the Strip. As I look out my window, I'm looking down the Strip. It's a ghost town. Every one of the casinos and convention centers have been, been closed down because one, our governor freaked out. That's called execution because, in essence, he's proving that, in essence, he is going to be reactionary, which is emotion-based, versus having a freaking brain and using it. And that's what's happening in the United States. So execution. So with that model, let me come back and give more specifics. If you're going to do something different, there's two words I'd have everyone write down. This is what I'm advocating to the planet today. Lane management, stay in your lane, understand your lane, get refocused on your lane, recalibrate your lane, and then perspective. You have to have fact, data, knowledge to have a perspective. Most all your viewers at the time we're recording, if you wanna get smart, you should turn off all of the news stations. Quit listening to the news, because the majority of the people in the news are not giving you fact-based news. They're giving you their opinion based upon the fact that they're freaking out over what they don't understand. So this pandemic, yes, it could be bad. This pandemic, based upon science, yes, it is spreading. This pandemic, based upon death, people are going to die. Got it. So I'm not being a smart ass and downplaying that. But again, if, what am I doing? I've got to give people perspective. Last year, perspective. 46 million Americans. I'm just going to use American data, not even global data. So America, the map behind Andrew right there, that's what I'm talking about, folks. 54 states and territories. Last year in the United States, 46 million people contracted and came down with the flu. 467,000 were hospitalized. 61,000 died. The global pandemic numbers don't even come close to just the United States' number on one virus last year called the flu. Schools weren't closed last year. You're a mom. You've got kids. Businesses weren't shuttered. People weren't tossed out on their butt. Congress is not having to vote for a stimulus package that the number is so horrific, most Americans can't even compute what the hell this means for the next 30 years of our country. And then the rest of the world is freaking out as well. So, again, execution, you've got to stay focused. So now if the government has shut me down and I just had a webinar this morning at 5 a.m. with a business gentleman in New York City, and that was the first conversation, you know, hey, what's going on really in New York City versus what I'm hearing? What do the streets look like? He asked the same thing in Vegas. And I posed the question, do you actually know anyone that has been stricken by this virus? No. You ask me, do I know anyone who's been stricken by this virus? No, I know a lot of people that have self-quarantined, absolutely, tons of them. My three largest clients, CEOs, were in events right before the whole world got closed. They came home and self-quarantined. So it's about fact and data. I'm not trying to dismiss it. So that's a really important point I'm trying to make, that if we want to, what am I doing or what am I talking to my clients about? It's about execution, but it's based upon having facts, staying focused in your lane, and rebooting. And then the last word, then I'll shut up and you can ask another question, is how do you reboot? So for me, for example, folks, if I'm in the business of going out and consulting and I'm in the business of doing training programs to, to business owners and leaders and working with sales organizations as well, then I can look at, wait a minute, what's all my online deliverables? Do I have, you know, CPE accredited programs? So again, I lived in a world for 20 years. If you're a CPA or you're an attorney, you roughly have to get 40 hours of, of continuing education every year to keep your license. It's a billion dollar industry. Part of the company I sold had 144 employees and it was huge. We did conferences, resorts, cruises, conventions. Uh, we had self-study, one-day, two-day programs. So what I've been doing for last week, now because that was the other part of your question, what am I doing, is I backed up and said, okay, instead of freaking out, let me use this as unexpected luxury time to go in the studio and re-record programs, update a lot of my courseware, because that was something I probably should have been doing 30 days ago, but 30 days ago I didn't have the time to do that because what I was doing was all of my normal things because I was not looking at the world in terms of could something change my entire game plan. And so that's now yes. So if you're homebound right now, you should go to Harvard University online. There's tons of classes that are online, typically 50-minute classes, 25-minute classes, and you should once a day Watch a class. You don't have to actually take it. Just watch. Take one of the classes from, from Harvard. If you're interested in, in life, 
if you're interested in religion, if you're interested in law, if you're interested in science, go there. Go to educational websites. Go to your local school district, K-12, and see if they got an online portable classes. And again, if you're a parent and you've watched 30 minutes of a class on your computer, you know, your laptop or your tablet, your kids, they do the same thing. They see you're doing it. So we can look at this unexpected downtime to play puzzles with our kids or our spouse or go for a walk, you know, or, 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 or. But Again, it's all about the word execution. Your question was, what am I doing? But what I do execution-wise should be tied to, in essence, my strategy. Stephen Cody talked about in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of those traits, habits, uh, designates a successful people as they have personal mission statements. So if you have a personal mission statement, that's equivalent of the word strategy on my five pillars of business success. What's your in essence purpose and get back and really get connected with it. And you'll find that this unexpected downtime will turn into one of the biggest blessings you've ever been receiving. There you go. Absolutely. I love it. I knew you'd have a, an answer that would blow us all away. Um, and I know that a lot of your training programs happen in live events. So what about that perspective? Do you have anything that you've had to postpone or cancel um, that, that would have been live? And how are you handling that? Great question. So I have some phenomenal clients. So I'm just going to do a shout out with a fear that someone's going to hear this and like start pestering the hell out of them. So farm credit uh, banking system, United States, if you're not Familiar with that, we have two financial systems in our country, and a lot of Americans don't realize that. So the banking system most of us use um, plays under Department of Treasury, um, plays FDIC, those sort of names. You know, you have a drive up, you had an ATM, it's where you go for your banking. That's one. Uh, but there's another one that was set up uh, at the turn of the last century, uh, and the president realized we are an agrarian country is how we were created. It's who we've always been. Um, and the day that we forget that, we will cease to be a unique country because it's still part of our roots. And so there's a banking system called Farm Credit Services. That's a banking system set up for anyone who's in the agri space, whether it's fish hatcheries or timber or livestock or, you know, grain or what have you. And there's roughly about 60 of those individually chartered and, and standing up across the United States. And they range from, you know, a couple hundred million small bank to, to billion dollar machines. So I have a lot of those I do work with. And so two of those, uh, as we record this time reference for our, our audience into the future, this is being recorded basically in March 2020. And the uh, first week of March was when the world really started to realize this pandemic was something that we really needed to be cognizant of and do something about, even though um, people had been talking about it since November of the previous year, but everyone wants to forget that. Again, perspective is based upon fact, not opinion, which would pretty much cause every journalist and politician to have to shut their mouth because usually it falls out of their face, is an opinion not based upon any fact when you hold them accountable. So again, one of the things you could be doing right now for fun is you need to tee up C-SPAN on your TV, folks. And instead of watching CNN or Fox or any news show, just watch C-SPAN 24-7 for the next couple of days. Because everyone you see is a congressman representative, which they've been on vacation last week and a half, but that's another conversation. And the senators are actually there. They're your and my employees as taxpayers, if you think about it. And if you watch them, you could then say, as an employer, would I really keep them on my payroll based on what they are or not doing? And the ones that are not in that room, what? What are they doing if they're not in this room debating on this stage and in this room how to help Americans? But see, again, facts boggle some people's brains. That's why they love to play in opinions because they can make this crap up. So again, the stages. So my farm credit clients, I had two of them in the month of March last week. They both canceled. I had uh, an agri client in California. They canceled. I had a manufacturing client in West Virginia. They canceled. A manufacturing client where you are there in Phoenix, they canceled. So I've had a lot of those stages that have all canceled, absolutely. But I also, and then right here in Las Vegas, I do leadership work with the Cosmopolitan. They canceled. Matter of fact, I was getting out of my car to walk in to do the leadership program with them when I got the text from their boss saying, hey, we just, we're just shutting down. So, I mean, that's how everyone's thinking. So what I've done is I've pivoted. I've, I've adjusted not my strategy, not my ops not my tactical behaviors. I simply have pivoted or changed my execution. I've changed that trajectory. Again, one of my great success books is called Your Trajectory Code. I changed my trajectory, but I didn't really change it. What I did was I started doubling down on a trajectory that was a small piece of my business 30 days ago that now has become a major piece of my business. And that is I can do my leadership programs in a mini, M-I-N-I, -I, in a mini way 
as a web-based, live or web-based recorded. So I have an agri client in Michigan that I actually do that with. Once a month, two hours, we get on the on Zoom basically, and a dozen-ish of the leadership team from the United States is all on there, and I do a, a modified version of my six-hour leadership program for them. They have the same workbooks that are sent from my printer. They have the same binders that my people have live, so I'm doing that one. So I've been retooling and doing a lot of that in the last week where I've been, in essence, people saying I'm canceling. I'm going, wait a minute, cancel or reschedule? Cancel means I give up. Cancel means I'm scared crapless. Cancel means I'm a quitter. Rescheduling means I have to change my thinking because of a new challenge in front of me so I can figure out how to go forward. So some of them, I've in essence had that success by causing them to stop, back up, and look. So I had a webinar that was supposed to be yesterday afternoon there with my team in Phoenix and their server blew up, basically stopped working. So their IT people spent all day trying to get it fixed yesterday and I'll be back online. I'll be doing a webinar version of a live program with them at two o'clock later today. So I'm doing a lot of that for your second question. A lot of my live events, yes, some of those are going to be rescheduled. I've had, I've had huge events where the vendor has closed down. I mean, the National Association of Broadcasters was in Las Vegas this week. It was supposed to be their convention and they've came cancel it and they're not even rescheduling it. Basically this year is a pass, we'll get together next year. So a lot of the clients I was gonna be doing things with, I mean, they're, they're canceling completely because they are afraid that this pandemic issue is gonna last months. Folks, it cannot last months and here's why. If it lasts months, everything we knew 30 days ago ceased to exist. You cannot maintain a global economy when you shut it down for 30 days and no one has a checkbook to give you a 30 day pass. Thank God. I don't care what your political views are, but thank God we have the economy for the past three years. We've just had in the United States, which has been the best economy in the history of our country. Don't care what your politics are. So don't be an idiot. We've just had the best economy for the last three years in our world history. So as of the recording of this, Think about it. It has been able to sustain all of this sucker punching the pandemic's causing, and we're still open for business. But 30 days from now, if nothing starts to open back up, uh, I don't know how we keep subsidizing them. And you have other countries that not only can they not underwrite it right now, they're already in line, folks. At the time we're recording this, most Americans are not listening to the facts. There's already other countries in line talking to the United States to be their banker to say, hey, can you underwrite us the way you're about to underwrite your own country? So, a lot of answer to your question of what am I doing differently? And those are the reasons because the marketplace has just changed one more time. Wow. Well, well in, in line of all of that, it, it makes me think about our mental mindset because we have to stay strong. And I know there's been times like, forget about these times, but times when I've been stuck in my business and I've contacted you and you've opened my mind up to probably 20 strategies that I didn't think about doing to get me unstuck. So what about people listening that might be stuck and they're just not sure where to go? Can you just give some thoughts on how to keep a strong mental mindset and find a new strategy during these times? Wow, absolutely brilliant. Uh, so I'm gonna do a shameless plug. Everyone needs to go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and buy that book. Read the first five chapters and you will have specific step-by-step -step of how to answer Andrew's question. If you are an individual or you have people around you, you influence or you're in business and you have an enterprise, no matter of the size, that book should be, should be required reading of you and everyone on your team. When I do a leadership engagement program, whether it's going to be more personal self-development and trajectory or hard business and trajectory or sales revenue generation and trajectory, that book, it's the only personal development book I've ever written in my life. It's published by John Wiley, voila, not self-published garbage. So they're the second largest trade book publisher in the world. They, in essence, I sent them their proposal. They accepted it on first presentation, took the book and manuscript as it was. They simply changed the proposed title I had. and It was in the marketplace in 30 days. So people talk about stacks rejection letters. I have not had a rejection letter in a long time because once you understand what you really have to offer the planet and you stay in that lane, kind of hard to get rejected. Now, all of that is a setup, not to sound like I'm pompous. Please, I'm not. Andrea is empowered to reach through and smack me if I come off that way. But the answer is one of the tools in that book. So how do you stay focused? How do you, in essence, not lose hope? How do you figure out new ways to reach out and find ways to move forward from where you are? I will answer that using a business analogy and metaphor. So as an individual, listen up. A business is only as strong as its board of directors. 
If you are a business, then you are whatever reason don't have a board of directors, then a, a simplicity way of looking at it, I call it an advisory board then. They can serve the same role, just they don't have some of the same fiduciary responsibility. One of my professional certifications is I am a certified board executive. A lot of people on boards do not have their certification. There's only one organization on the planet that has that certification. It, in essence, is a 72-hour course program stretched out over six months, et cetera, et cetera. So if I'm working with a major corporation, I am responsible to helping them to make sure if Andrea is the CEO and she has this business enterprise, she's going to have a board. Therefore, the board is going to get compensated, whether it's stock or pay or whatever. How do I coach Andrew to have a world-class board of directors? So as an individual, listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to give you something that no one else is talking about. I'm a performance psychologist. So I look at things, I look at it from a non-academic mindset. There's nothing wrong with academic, but I'm looking at it from a practitioner standpoint. So the way I would coach you to have a board of directors is to back up. So think if you were a major corporation, so not three people, not 30 people, not 300 people, 3,000 people or more. If you're a major corporation, you'd have an organizational chart. If you have an organizational chart, whether you have each of the titles populated in your business doesn't matter because sometimes you might not be ready to populate it with a human being, but you would have in an organizational diagram all of the C-suite. You're the CEO, Andrea. So Andrea would have, so let me talk to you, the viewer. Andrea would have a CFO, Chief Financial Officer. That person would be hanging in the org chart under her. She would have a Chief Technical Officer. That would be a, a, another one hanging under her. She might have a Chief Revenue Officer, a Chief Sales and Marketing Officer. She'd have a Chief human resource officer, HR. She'd have a chief operations officer so she can free up her hands and let someone else take care of the operations. She might have a chief administrative officer so she's going to take a traditional COO. She's going to separate that apart and have a COO and a CAO. So you have all of those C-suite people. So the reason Andrew's going to have this organizational chart with these C-suite people populated in her business of 3,000 plus employees is because if she's going to operate at that level in a global marketplace, there's no way she can have the mental DNA to operate each of those respective responsibilities individually. She just can't be that smart anymore. She might have been smart enough to be also the techie person and the HR person and the finance person when she was starting the business and when she had three employees and maybe 30 employees and maybe somewhere between 30 and 300. She said, I'm going to hire someone else to do the finance side or I'm going to hire someone else to do the HR side. But when you got 3,000 plus, there's no way that Andrew, number one, A, wants to do those sub jobs and she may not have the mental DNA to do those jobs. Because when you get big and you want to hire a chief technical officer, you want someone whose LinkedIn profile says massively, they're the rock star. They're the MVP. They're the gold medalist of the Olympics in that space. That's who Andrew's going to go hire. Okay, is that making sense? Mm -hmm. So now let me continue because I'm giving you a phenomenal way to answer the question. How do you stay focused and stay up and find new ideas? So Andrew's the CEO of her corporation. She has 3,000 plus employees globally. She now has a C-suite. Go back to the board of directors I started with. The way you set up a great board of directors is that every one of your C-suite positions, because in your head you've elevated your business to be so big and powerful that it constituted you needed a C-suite sort of a person, then there should be a dotted line from each C-suite to one member of your board. So if Andrew's going to have a CFO, then someone on her board should be the super CFO that understands how to hold that CFO accountable, regulate that CFO, motivate that CFO, and the two of them can brainstorm and collaborate how to make Andrew bigger and better and more successful as a company because those two CFO brains are working. And if she's going to have a chief technical officer on her, on her C-suite, she should have someone on her board that's that way. So the board of directors job is to be able to hold the business accountable and the reason some boards of directors suck is because Andrew puts only her friends on her board of directors that are all maybe just like her and they're chief creative officers that have no brain set on all those other C-suite positions. So now those C-suite people can manipulate and lie and not do their job the right way. So you want to have a board of directors made up of the people around you to hold you and your enterprise accountable to become bigger and better. Is that making sense, Andrea? Absolutely. Now, for our viewers. So here's an example. So if you are in a business, then just take a step back and say, wait a second. But I hear what you're saying, Dr. McGee, but I'm a small one-person show. I can't afford all these positions. Yes, you can. Wait a minute. Do you have insurance? So Andrew, let's role play. I'm not going to get too specific, but let me role play with Andrew because Andrew is you, the viewer, right now. Andrew, do you and your husband have any kind of family health insurance or life insurance? Yes. 
Bingo, there's the first member to your board of directors. So you as an individual, well, let's create an advisory board in your head that can help you right now in this time of crisis or your business. So now if Andrea, think about this viewers, if Andrea was now to reach out to her life insurance agent or her health benefits agent, and we're to say, you know what, I'm creating this kind of advisory board, no legal responsibilities, you know, I'll indemnify you, whatever. But I'm creating this board and I can't pay you a penny, but right now I am paying you a whole lot of money every month for my insurance. I want you to be on my board of directors, which what that means is we're going to get together one day a month at Denny's or Village Inn or a restaurant. See, I'm going cheap on the purpose because Denny's will give you good food and it's not going to break Andrea's wallet. Once a month, you're going to come together. I'm going to buy you the Grand Slam. I'm going to say, these are things I'm thinking about doing on my business. I want you to give me your advice. Boom. That's how you start to build people around you with a different brain set than you, that when you say, here's what I'm thinking about doing as a goal, or here's a challenge I'm facing, their brain looks at it differently, and that's how you get new ideas. Andrea, do you know of or do you and your family have anyone who's an attorney that you've ever used for legal work or are using right now for legal work? Yes or no? Yes, definitely. Boom, there's a second member of our board of directors. Same damn thing. I just wrote you a check, Andrew. You're my attorney, and I'm paying you money. I'm creating this little mental advisory board. I can't pay you any more money, and I'm going to keep buying your legal services, but you got to come to Denny's next Tuesday and give me a free one hour of your time with, in essence, my insurance agent's going to be on my board. Boom. Andrew, do you have anyone that helps you with your finances in terms of taxes? Do you have a CPA or an EA, or do you know one like that? Definitely, yes. Bingo. So there's a third member of her board of directors. So I just came up with three people free that all have phenomenal mental DNA in very specific trajectories and lanes that probably don't do what she's doing every day, but that's how you start to reach out to people you know. And you can just magnify that by other key people. That's how you look at it. So if, if Andrew is a member of a chamber of commerce or a trade association, you know, or 40 under 40 awards you got a couple of days ago, or, you know, women in business. I mean, think about any category you're part of and think about someone who's a bigger rock star than you. So don't be arrogant. Who's bigger and better than you in their lane. Ask of them and you can even reciprocate. I'll be on your free mental board of directors. So there's a second answer of how you look at the people that can challenge you to raise you up in these times of turbulence we're dealing with right now. So one of the webinars I've launched to the world of my clients is saying, look, let's jump online and do a webinar. I'll even give you a free webinar as one way to help you, my client, or you, someone I've been trying to get as a customer right now in these turbulent times. So again, I call it leadership and selling in turbulent times, what you can do right now to generate success. That grabs people's attention. So if they don't buy, and two weeks from now, they're deep for trouble. It's kind of like going to a doctor and saying, I got a pain. And they says, why? Well, whenever I put my arm over here, it hurts. Well, the doctor's going to grab your arm and push it even harder. So it hurts more. So you'll listen to their advice in a second. Some people are just lazy. They want everyone else to make them successful and give them a free handout. But they don't want to get off their butt and work, which is why I love being on this podcast with Andrea, because Andrea is proof positive of what success looks like. This woman gets off her butt and makes it happen every day. That's probably why you're even watching this, because you want to be around other real people. Last answer. So here is what you can do right now as a viewer. So here's how you can stay positive and focused in these turbulent times. I gave you an analogy and metaphor with the corporate org chart. I then talked about you bringing it down to your level, but here's the other element. So one of the things I did the research on in this book, study successful people for 30 years. Everyone just take your hand and make a fist right now. Andrew, make a fist so we all can see. This is what I call your fist factor. Andrew's going to know exactly where I'm headed in a second. So what I've recognized is that there's five types of people inside your head that influence your internal dialogues and how you see things. So view these five people as your mental board of directors. I just gave you some architectural clues as to how to set that up. I call this concept your fist factor. Fist being this is where you get your mental power, strength, and energy from. So flex that hand back open. So I'm going to give you the five categories, everyone. So what I want you to do is pull up in your head real quickly a mental roster. Think of the people that occupy space in your head right now that influence your internal self-dialogue. They influence your internal self-esteem. They influence your internal self-image. How do you see yourself? When something happens, a little voice kicks in and it starts talking about how to process that data of that event that just happened. And it's those voices that tell you how to respond or not respond. What's the old computer adage? Andrew, help us all out. Garbage in? Garbage out. Bingo. So if you have a whole bunch of garbage in your head, no wonder garbage is falling out of your face. Or if you're a parent, what's that parental cliche and adage? Help me out, Andrea. Birds of a feather? Flock together. 
flock together. So let's see who's in your flock. So there's five types of categories, but bring up in your head from birth to whatever your age is right now, who are the people that have influenced how you think and how you see things? They maybe they passed away, but they still influence your psychology in your head. Good, bad, doesn't matter. So just bring up that immediate list. You can do more homework when I'm done, when we hang up this call, and you can write things out if you want. But number one, think about the people in your head. Bring those names up, and every name you see, when you have a name, just kind of put them on a finger and do a countdown. I got a second person comes to mind, count them down. I got a third one that comes to mind, count them. So there's no magic in the number, but just all shut up for three seconds. You do the math. Count them up. I got five. Do I have to keep five? Going? About that. Most people will typically have five or more. So one of mine is my first grade teacher. Her name is Mrs. Murphy. I'm sure all of you heard Murphy's Law. It's from my elementary teacher, Mrs. Murphy. True story. Well, she occupies my fist factor because I spent two years with her. She was a little bit slow. It took me two years to get her through first grade. Let that one sink in in case you're not figuring out the math on my story. See, my, they didn't say to my parents, you know, Mr. and Mrs. McGee, your son, Jeffrey, he's stupid. He needs to do, you know, he needs to repeat first grade next year. Now, it was, I was stupid, so you can't deny that. But we don't want to say that today. No one wants tough love. Oh, we've got to be nice, make it safe. And that's a bunch of crap. People need to be smacked upside the head occasionally. One of my clients I had for 20 years fired me this year. And that's fine. They fired me because they hired a new mid-level person to come in and run their leadership development programs who doesn't like blunt talk. Well, that's going to be kind of interesting because that person is going to last about one year before their clients stop going to their training programs because they don't want a touchy feature, you know, sort of leadership class. They don't want disrespect, but they want, they want honest blunt talk. That's what we need today. You look at any successful leader, and trust me, folks, but I just said in my last two sentences, that's what they're buying. What they're not buying right now in this pandemic time is a whole bunch of group hugging time because they're right now, everyone's freaking out. What do I do? So you have these people. So Mrs. Murphy, she was brilliant. I spent two years with her in first grade and didn't realize I was held back because see, here's what she knew. If we let Jeff go into second grade, he doesn't understand the context and content of second grade. He's going to do what little kids do. He's going to act up. Why is a child acting up? They act up to deflect attention away from what they don't understand to something else. We as adults misread. We say, oh, Andrew, your daughter's acting up. No. The reason your daughter's acting up is because she doesn't want to do this or doesn't understand this. And it's not safe for her to say, mommy or teacher, I don't get it. And no one's understanding she doesn't get it. So that's why people act up. Add 30 years, that's an employee. Why do employees not do the things we sometimes hire them for? It's because it's either not fun or they don't really understand it, so they put their energy on something they do understand to try to get that done at least. And then we get frustrated management because what I hired you to do, you're not doing it. Back up. So again, it only manifests. So it starts right here. So Mrs. Murphy was brilliant. Every afternoon, she sent me over to the kindergarten side of the building. I helped Miss Esri. I still even remember the kindergarten teacher. And every time I came in here, the kindergarten teacher made me feel like I was the smartest little kid in the building. Oh, my God, Jeffrey's here. He's going to help us with whatever, whatever, whatever. So I didn't really realize I spent two years with those kindergartners. And it put me on a better trajectory in life. And I have anecdotal scientific data to show you parents that don't understand that last story that advance their children when they never should have been advanced, that don't help and love their kids, yes, but don't hold them accountable and discipline them when they need, those kids become nightmares. And that's why our prisons have so many people in them, because instead of fixing a problem, we push them off and then they end up in prison. Another story, come back to some facts on that one a little bit later. Back to my model. Here we go. Five. So what can you do right now to change your station in life? Giving you, in essence, the board of directors concept. We talked about who could be on your board, your insurance agent, et cetera. Now let's get real personal. Think of the people on your board. So if I had someone on my board, and I'm Andrew with 3,000 employees, my board member was not doing their job, then you would want to remove that board member and get someone on there that can help you. True or false, Andrea? Absolutely true. If you had someone in your C-suite that was not executing at the level you needed them to do, you would probably find a way to remove them or change them and get someone in that position that could help you. True or false? True, yes. That's important what Andrew just said, everyone, because I'm going to teach you what this fist factor concept is. You may not be able to physically get someone out of your head that is a Debbie Downer, that is a naysayer, that is negative, that beats the crap out of you internally in your head, or physically they're still around you and they're always pushing you down and being negative, but you can limit their exposure to the conversation in your head by looking at the fist factor. There's five types of people that should be on your board. So now, Andrew did her math. If you're watching her, she had five people. She had more than five because she started to flex the other hand back up. 
So there's not a finite number of people on your mental board of directors, but there's five types you need in there. Number one, you want to write things down, folks, take some notes. Number one member of your board of directors that's going to keep you balanced and up in difficult times, which is right now. The number of people on your board doesn't have to be five, but the balance you need to keep you up in good times. Number one is called family members. So Andrew, when you did your math a minute ago, were any of those people in the family member category? Yes. How many of the five were in family member category? Two. Two. So that means Andrea now is missing two people if she only had five. So the other three, the other four categories are important to Andrea because any one of these categories that are empty, these are the people she needs to get reconnected with like right now. These are the people to start thinking about if they were in my situation, what would they do? How would they process the pandemic? How would they process being furloughed? How would they process customers leaving them? How would they process just having lost a job? That's what Andrea's really asking is how do we stay focused with some of the things that some of you are having to deal with right now? So second category, and in no particular order. So one is friend. Second, uh, one is family member. Second is friend. Were any of those other three friends? Definitely, yes. Ah, how many of those other three were friends? Two. Two. Ah, now she's down to one and knows she has four more, cat three more categories still. So one is family, two is friend. Third is going to be profession. Someone who's actually in your profession should be on your mental board of directors or in your fist factor. This one, keep their finger up if it's not it. Is this person you said is not family? You said they're not a friend, and they're are they in your profession? No, I'm missing that one. Ah, okay. So that's who she would seek to stay focused right now. My business is under attack. That's what some of you watching this video may be realizing right now. My business is under attack. My job is under attack. How do I get focused and not become, in essence, depressed? Ah, I've got an opening in that category. There you go. So then the next one's going to be the word success. The single most successful person you actually know, that'd be category number four. Is this person incredibly successful at what they do? Yes. Okay, so they might be going into that fourth category or maybe not. But for sake of presentation, let's say they go into that. So that she has five people and they all fill into three of those four because she said category three, which was profession is empty. So I've got to fill that one up. And the last category, for lack of a better label, I call the last one your underdog. Who's the underdog in your life? Someone who gets knocked down, but instead of them giving up, they have found a way to stand up and brush themselves off and see clarity of how to get around the obstacle and get right back on the trajectory for success, the underdog. So if you look at your five, they will always fall into these five categories. If you had three, they'll always fall into these five categories. If you had more than five, they'll always fall into those five categories. I've never been able to figure out a category six. There might be one, so I empower you to grow a sixth finger off your hand if you need one, but they'll typically always fall into one of those five fingers. So again, if you want to have a balanced mindset, you need to have a balanced mental board of directors, and those five are the categories. You need people in each one of those. Top of the conversation, Andrew, thank you very much. You gave me a phenomenal compliment, but the problem with that compliment was now you've raised the performance bar that I can't let you down next time. I have to go even higher next time. But when Andrea has found herself stuck, she sometimes will reach out to Jeff. When she reaches out to Jeff, I'm on her mental board of directors then. And she says, here's what trying to do or here's my challenge what are some of your thoughts and i'm able to give her different ideas because i'm occupying a different space than her so i'm not family i could be friend i could be profession i could be success i could be underdog if i've had that problem before and gotten off on my butt and i can share with her a lesson i learned then that's coming from the underdog if she perceives that i'm accelerating in that category right now and i'm achieving some degree of success then i'm in the success category if in essence we're in a similar profession to with where her question resonates then I'm in the professional category. If she sees me as a friend, wow, powerful category, then I'm in the friend category. Sometimes you need to just vent to some. Look, I really don't want you to answer. I really don't want you to tell me right or wrong, good, bad. I just want to, I just want to vomit and I want to vent. Would you just be an ear? Sometimes that's what you need your friend or your family member or one of the other three to do as well. One of my clients is a COO of a $500 million company in California. His father is the CEO. They started together. He truly is an active member. That's not a trust baby conversation. He actually has skin in the game. And so we text on a regular basis. And in their business, they're in the agri-space. And right now, they are being more productive in this pandemic time than they have ever been in their life. They said, I've got Kroger calling us and saying they want to buy 100% of my product right now. Problem is I can't give them 100% of my product because I have to give them to Costco and I got other stores to buy from me. Well, so I'm giving advice. Okay, so have Kroger sign a contract with you. You'll send them 100% of the product if they guarantee to buy at that volume level for the next 24 months. And anytime they can't buy at that volume level, they still send you a check for receiving nothing then. Call or bluff. <laughs> oh. 
So again, I'm giving you a different way. Or how can you buy more product from not just your own sourcing? How do you source it from other places and keep the quality? So how do you find more product coming to what you need so you can do what you do in your space to create the raw product that consumers want? So, so I'm giving them new ways of looking at things. They're an essential space. So again, if they close their business, I mean, there's hundreds of employees that basically are hourly labor that if they lose this job, they're literally one paycheck away from being bankrupt because that's the sort of labor force when you're in an agri space. If you're in a distribution space, if you're in a warehouse space, if you're in a restaurant space, I mean, think of all the business that you as a viewer know right now, the people literally are one check away from bankruptcy because they're not necessarily dumb people, but they're working in a space that the reality is that's all it really pays. You can't, you may want to pay everyone a million dollars, but you can't. I pay you a million dollars and everyone that's above you in the corporate organizational ladder structure, I got to pay them at least a million one and there's just not enough money. I pay the flight attendant $100,000 a year, that's great. I'd love to pay my flight attendant on a plane $100,000 a year. If I pay my flight attendant hundred grand, I got to pay my lead flight attendant a couple bucks more. True or false? Absolutely. True. And I've got to pay the co-pilot a little bit more than that. And I've got to pay the pilot more than that. So some of the people, they don't understand scales of economy. But again, my CEO, he gets that. So how do I keep everyone focused? How do I keep them positive? What can we do to turn these things around? Powerful question you've asked, and, I, and I'm just trying to give you lots of responses. I apologize. I get too excited and I'm giving too much. No, I love it. I love it. You got to think really fast when you're talking with you uh, to stay on track and make sure I'm answering everything the right way. And the beauty for your viewers are is you can hit pause back up and play it again. If you've ever seen Dr. Jeff speak, um, I can't take notes fast enough. So you just got to listen. Forget about note-taking. So just, I, I've heard a lot of things that you're doing personally. So, you know, just how, how, are, how has this changed what you're doing? Like, are you still kind of sticking to the same schedule, just doing more Zoom? Are you still doing your same workouts? Uh, just transition to, to more online or are things drastically different for you there? You know, great question. In terms of walking out and talking in front of an audience, whether that's an executive boardroom or on a stage, that right now at the time we're doing this recording, that has went to zero uh, globally. I mean, my, my Berlin is not bringing me in, so my global clients, I mean, zeroed out. My national clients, zeroed out. My right here in Las Vegas where I live, zeroed out. So from that standpoint, it is zero. So what that day in the life of Jeff McGee looks like, yeah, that would have changed. So if I was going to be speaking to Andrew's group in Phoenix tomorrow. Um, then today would be blocked out of my calendar because I'd be in travel mode. Um, tomorrow I'm speaking to her and let's say it's a full day event. Then, you know, that's two days blocked out and I'm flying home the next morning. So I've really got three days out of my inventory for this seven day week would have been gone. Now I've got those three days back. So if I'm now doing my presentation with Andrew, if we role play right now what we're doing for you, the viewer, if I'm doing it with her now live, okay, well, I didn't have yesterday's a travel day that's back in my inventory. I don't have travel tomorrow that's back in my inventory. I don't have the time of having to you know, go to get to the hotel or go upstairs on an elevator, go to my room. All that's taken away because I'm home-based right now just like everyone else is home-based. So I've got a lot of time back in my inventory. So from that standpoint, yes, a little bit of change. But my normally daily cadence, let me answer it that way. I still get up basically at 5 a.m. I'm still in work mode by 6 a.m. So that hasn't changed at all. Um, what I would normally do if this was an office day, that is the same. So in essence, the things I do a normal day for me when I first get up in the morning and, and I go into my professional portion of the day. So my personal is done. You know, I do my normal wake up like everyone else. I do my routines like everyone else. You know, I get something to eat or drink just like everyone else. You know, do I do exercise in the morning? No, not, not at all. So there's no life living there. You know, then I, you know, then I, I have a long commute from my living part of my condo here on the strip to where I work. So it's just like you, you have a long commute, Andrea, into your home-based office from the other side of that door. Uh, pause, notice what Andrea's done. If you're going to go in professional mode and you're homebound, you need a workspace, just like what Andrea has there, just like what I have here that's an office that where you can shut the door and you say, I'm in now my work zone. So the bedroom, the kitchen, the dog, et cetera, they don't exist. And that's how you can become productive and still be in a home base. The reason some people are not productive at home base is you don't treat that home base just like it would be if you were at a traditional brick and mortar and had to go to work. So it's very easy to get distracted to the dry cleaner, to the vacuum cleaner, to the dishwasher, to the TV, to what's on CNN or Fox or et cetera. And you're distracted all day. You've got to get in the game face. When I come to my office, I'm just like Andrew. So again, you know, here's my, you know, here's my workspace basically at that wall. You know, again, see the door is shut. I got my closet open there because I just grabbed a book out in the magazine. There's my workspace. There's my printer. You know, there's the window out to the strip right there. So I'm just like Andrew. I'm in work-based mode. 
So again, when I come in, the first thing I do then at 6 a.m. is I sign into my computer from my email side. I sign into LinkedIn. I sign into Twitter. I sign into some other platform portals that I work. Um, and if you're watching me today, then you know if you're a follower of me. And if you're not, follow me on LinkedIn. Jeffrey McGee, there's my name right there. But every Monday, I post a sales article, blog, or blog, and that goes out on all my platforms. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I, pr I, pr I, I put up a kind of self-development, you know, personal motivation, sort of a tile statement element. And then on Friday, I do a leadership article, white paper, blog, or blog, and I rotate those. So that's the first things I do really right at 6 a.m. I get those out to the universe so the universe knows I'm alive. Then the second, then I pull up and I look at my email, my Gmail, my Jeffrey at JeffreyMcGee.com, my AOL. Yes, AOL is still alive and kicking. I've been using it for decades, so I'm not going to abandon it. So then I go to all my email. And the first thing I do with my email is I delete all of the garbage, all of the negative stuff, delete that out so I can see if I have 100 plus emails. I can knock that down to 30. I can knock that down to maybe 13. I don't do what other people do, which is, you know, quit wasting your energy. Sending someone a nasty email, Andrew, take me off your list. I have so many emails today. I don't really care getting a sent. You're an idiot. Just freaking hit delete and go on. People spend so much time making an ass out of themselves. It stuns me. Andrew, I asked you yesterday to take me off your which goes back to what we talked about for the last 45 minutes, which is why you have so much negative energy in your head. Forget it. Hit, delete, move on. I do that, and then I go into my mode. So then typically, if I schedule webinars, Zoom calls, or meetings with people, my first call, because I'm in Pacific time zone, everybody, listen to my next answer to Andrea's clue. My first phone call or Zoom call is typically 6 a.m. every morning. Because if it's six in Pacific, it's seven in Mountain, it's eight in Central, it's nine on the East Coast. Anyone who can't work by 9 a.m. on the East Coast should be fired. You're lazy. Anyone who's not working by 8 a.m. Central, you should be fired. You're lazy. Anyone who, in essence, is a small business person or self-employed, 7 a.m. Mountain, guess what? They're working. And anyone who's like Andrew and I on the Pacific time zone, there's a good chance you'll even take calls at 6 a.m. I recognize that. So... If my first Zoom meeting webinar call is at 6 a.m., stay with the math, folks. One of Andrea's first questions about traits of successful people, I learned this from everyone else. If I'm already working at 6, and I'm working at 7, and I'm working at 8, and the majority of my competition comes into work at 8, they come into work at 8, but it really is not until 9 o'clock they're really being productive. I have a four-hour, that's a 40% window of productivity and profitability head start over them. And if most people start wrapping up around 3, 4, 5 in the afternoon, and I'm talking to business owners like Andrew who says, you know what, I'm working, I have a family, and I'm doing this, and blah, 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 blah. You know, can we get on a call at 7 at night because that's a window I'll have after my family's kind of taken care of? So I can literally be working from seven to seven. That's 12 hours. Again, a good productive person only works a half day anyway. You only should have to work a half day to be successful. You determine is it the first 12 hours or the last 12 hours? I don't care which 12 you take. Bad joke if you're not getting it, folks. But again, you got to be smart. So that's what a day in the life of me looks like. And so have I changed it up? Yes, but not necessarily in some categories. But I am doing a lot more web work. Absolutely. I spend a lot more time in the last week and a half, going on with some of my CPE work. Again, I do a lot of work with CPAs and attorneys, as an example, because they need continued professional education credit hours every year to keep their license. And a lot of my content is then repopulated in other platforms with engineers and insurance people and realtors, etc. But just in the last week during the pandemic, I've recorded almost 150 hours of updated new courseware in 50-minute bites, basically, in essence, for where we're headed. So again, I might do one program, it's okay, that one, we can repopulate populated in three areas. So there's one hour, I got three hours out of it. This one here I'm going to do is one hour. I can only use it one place. Now I only got four hours. Boom. This one I can do and I can use it in 10 places. So that one hour, I got nine additional hours. Now I got 10 hours on top of my three hours on top of my one hour. So I mean, really quickly, your brain starts looking at how you repurpose things differently. So I've been doing some more of that work. You and I are on this web call. Here's a teaching point for your followers and your podcast the same way. So those are multiple answers to, to what, what I'm doing differently, but what I'm still doing the same. Does that help? It did. And I just wonder, you know, what have you learned from this time? Are there things that when this all ends, because it's going to end and you go back, has it taught you anything that you're going to do differently when you go back to your busy, regular, everyday life? Yeah, yeses and noes to that. Uh, I've got a client that hates when I say that. Oh my God, another McGee, yes and no. Yeah. The, the no to it is a lot of what I've been doing worked in the rearview mirror of life. 
Andrea sent me on stages with thousands of people in a room and I do this, you know, you're a time machine, little story example. And if you're a time machine, then in front of you is a windshield in life. You know, you've got an outside mirror and on your windshield, you've got a rear view mirror, which represents past tense in life. I've been using a storyline for almost 30 years. So if you've heard it from someone in the last 30, then they probably hijacked it from me. And so again, part of it is you've got to grab that rear view mirror off the windshield, which occupies a small percentage of what's in front of you, 100% of future opportunities, and rip it off and throw it out the window and quit looking at it. Yeah, you have a side mirror you can use for reference points and benchmarking, so I'm not saying fly stupidly. Yeah, you do have to look behind you occasionally, but it's in front of you. So, so the no to it is a lot of what I've been doing is working. I'm just doing the same thing. Or what I have found, so I would coach you, what I'm finding is that some of the things I've done in the past still are relevant and they still are applicable and they still work. So I call it double down, double down on it, do more of it right now. And I just gave you a lot of examples in the past hour of me doubling down. Now, what's going to be new? Yeah, there are some new things I'm learning out as I have learned, again, market volatility, which industries right now are shut down. They're going to need a lot of really unique help as soon as we turn the doors and turn the open signs back on. So I'm going to do some things differently to help them to instantly get traction, but I'm not going to beg for work. I mean, if someone doesn't get it, then, then go on, Jeff. There's a whole lot of people that will get it. Go help them. I think one of the things I did in the past was I was almost begging for work from people because I was more passionate about their success than they were. A second way of looking at this pandemic right now is what businesses, though, right now are still actually in business. Those might be businesses that if I'm doing no work with them past tense, I might want to figure out how do I evolve parts of my business model to get into some of those spaces. Keep in mind, federal government's not been shut down, folks. Congressmen and senators are still getting their paychecks, whether you're getting yours or not. Essential businesses is the new word everyone should have in their head right now. That's the new word that's come out in the past, in essence, 10 days. President shutting down, governor shutting down, mayor shutting down, the one word they all are now using, and might not have all been using it 10 days ago, but the word they're now all using is essential businesses will still be open only in modified ways, which some of the modified ways is what Andrew and I are doing right now on your screen, which is distance, you know, learning, uh, distance remote workers, VA virtual assistants, working from home, satellite operations. So all of that, in essence, is there. One last example, folks. You're watching us on a video platform. 9-11 is the reason you're watching Andrew and I right now on this video platform because on 9-11, Zoom and Canon and Microsoft and Skype, I mean, all of these platforms were kind of out there in some element in 1999, 2000, but they were not embraced, accepted, and used the way they are today. And all that's because after 9-11, there was still a reason for Andrew and her 3,000 employees that get together and have conversations or meetings but she didn't want to get on a plane. No one else wanted to get on a plane or they were afraid to get on a plane. They still had to do business. So all these video platforms instantly got a turbocharger and accelerator. That's what's happening right now with this pandemic. Again, when they turn the light bulbs back on, people will start to come back together. Yes, they need to. There's a reason why we need to be together. A whole lot more happens when you're standing next to someone and you can see each other eyeball to eyeball than what you can ever replicate on a video platform. But a lot of times we got together for things that now we're going to realize, you know, we don't have to get together. A video platform would be more than fine to do this. So, so those are some other ways of looking at what I'm doing. I'm going to do a whole lot more differently on video platforming. Uh, and again, I'm going to give a lot of stuff out free to help people, but I'm also going to make sure there's a fee on it. When I've got people that compete with me that are in my audiences, then going out and charging a client X, then that tells me I should be charging the client X twice. Because again, if they're buying it from them and a lot of what them is given or getting from me, then I should be double charging. So I'm going to change my own psychology around things as well. Wow. Well, I have learned from you over the years, so many different strategies to help me with my business here over at Achieve It 360. And I want to thank, thank you. you so much, Dr. Jeff, for everything you've done for us here. Um, More than welcome. I started interviewing people because of the magazine. That's where it all started. And we started, we did 24 interviews back then. And when I figured out I've got to do this podcast thing, it was a natural progression. And it exactly. Really so again, you know, again, for those people that are watching, if you're not getting Andrew, you had your magazines, put them back up there. If you're yeah. not following Andrew, you need to double down with every one of her deliverables. Again, everyone I tell, again, we get phenomenal people. We do interviews with them. Again, we, we ask them what leads to their success. So these are all the people that Andrew and I interview and talk to. So again, another, another distribution channel of that printed original evergreen content is a podcast. You're exactly right. So for the viewers there, 
send me an email and we'll we'll give you a free subscription to our magazine as a way of saying thank you for what you do to support Andrea. Um, so you don't need to pay to subscribe to it. We'll get you that in that uh, distribution channel as well. Awesome. Well, for people who want to follow you, they can go to jeffreymcgee.com. I'll put your email, your Twitter, but is the best way to reach you via LinkedIn? Is that Exactly. So again, you can follow me. Uh, go to my website, jeffreymcgee.com. Just as it's spelled right there, and you can see all the different ways that we might be able to, you know, help you to accelerate you to, you know, confident what you're doing. Uh, again, if you want to email me directly, I've got no problem with that. It is my name, Jeffrey at jeffreymcgee.com. Um, if you're not following me on LinkedIn, that would probably be the best way to stay connected. Because again, if you're following me on LinkedIn, then when I post an article on Monday, you're gonna you're gonna know about it. If it's not relevant, then put past it. If it is, boom. And then there's a way to mentally. You know, get some get some food for nurturement on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, again, positive uh, energy going out there with a positive, substantive, legitimate statements and thoughts. And then Friday's going to be, you know, always kind of the, the leadership thoughts. So those are places absolutely. And there's a whole archive inventory again on my uh, LinkedIn platform of, of past articles and, and videos you can watch and get quick tune ups. Even when I do my videos, folks, they're they're only two to three minutes, so they're very quick. But I try to make them very substantive. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jeff. I'll let you get back to work over there and thanks for all you do. Thank you guys. Have an awesome day. Again, you own your reality. Go for it. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.